This is episode number seven, The Shame Glitter. This is The Path of Imperfection, a podcast for imperfect women and the imperfect men who love them. If you are ready to show how big your brave is and lean into this human experience, join the journey. Welcome, welcome. The first welcome is for those of you that are coming back. And the second welcome is for those of you who are just joining us. I'm happy to have you. I'm Becky Hennessy, host and guide on this path of imperfection. This path will take you into all the nooks and crannies of being human and hopefully give you a chance to embrace the imperfection in all of it. I mean, that's what it's really about, right? So one of the biggest factors that deters people from braving the path of imperfection is shame. Shame and the talk of it has become more and more prevalent in our language as of late. We kind of hear it everywhere and we read it everywhere. I kind of compare this newfound conversation about shame kind of like the farmhouse decor movement that was brought on by an amazing woman named Joanna Gaines. The show Fixer Upper caught like wildfire blazing into almost every home across America. Shame, exposed by none other than my all-time favorite, Brene Brown, is having the same effect where it's just starting to catch on across the globe. And I feel like it's just about time that it has. If you are really curious about shame and you want to dissect it a little bit more than what you're going to get today, get Bernays' book called Daring Greatly. She's written a lot of different books, but Daring Greatly encompasses kind of all of them up to that point. There are a few she's written after that that are worth the read as well. And the ones prior to are worth the read. Daring Greatly just kind of really focuses on the shame thing and brings it all together in all those other books that she's written. It's an absolute game changer. So here's how she defines shame. She defines shame as the intensely painful feeling or experience of believing that we are flawed and therefore unworthy of love and belonging. Something we've experienced, done, or failed to do that makes us unworthy of connection. So I'm going to say that one more time. Shame is the intensely painful feeling or experience of believing that we are flawed and therefore unworthy of love and belonging, something we've experienced, done, or failed to do that makes us unworthy of connection. So shame is something that you can literally feel on the inside of your body. For everybody, it's different. Some feel it in their heads, some feel it in their chests, some feel it in their stomachs, some in their arms and their legs, some in their face. Shame for me is a full body experience. So it usually starts in my stomach and in my chest, and then it moves everywhere and spreads everywhere and becomes kind of an ache that can't be remedied. Shame is not embarrassment. It's not humiliation. It's not guilt. So here's how Bernay defines the differences sprinkled with my words. So Embarrassment is something that happens, that happens to everyone. You're just super bummed that it happened to you, right? So it's the idea of, you know, falling off your chair or 
walking out of a bathroom with toilet paper on your shoe, which does that really happen? I don't know if I've ever like really seen that in anything but movies. Anyway, it would be super embarrassing if that did happen, right? So embarrassment is it happens to everybody. I am not alone. Humiliation is a little bit different. Humiliation is it doesn't happen to everybody. It happened to me and I didn't deserve it. So this is when like somebody calls you out in front of a bunch of people just to humiliate you or they do or they say something just to humiliate you. So again, humiliation is it doesn't happen to everybody and I didn't deserve it that it happened to me. Guilt is I did something bad. I did something stupid. I did something foolish. Guilt is about something that you did. So it's outside of you. Shame is I am something bad. I am something stupid. I am something foolish. Shame is inside. Shame is this idea that I am not blank enough. You fill in the blank. I am not pretty enough. I'm not skinny enough. I'm not smart enough. I'm not successful enough. I'm not funny enough. Or shame can also be the opposite. And that sounds like, who do you think you are? Who do you think you are to do this super vulnerable thing and to think that it's going to somehow be successful or helpful? Who are you? Kind of a thing. I compare shame to glitter. It gets on everything. Now, I learned early on after having a couple of girls who absolutely adore glitter that glitter needs to happen outside of our home. So they are welcome to do glitter projects on the farthest corner in the yard that they can possibly do so that it doesn't get into my house. But without fail, no matter where on earth they do the glitter project, somehow that glitter gets on them and then gets in my house. I can be cleaning the completely opposite corner of the home, opposite from the yard where they were doing glitter. Or they could do glitter at somebody else's house. And somehow I find glitter in my house, right? Shame is just like that. If shame is somewhere, it gets on everything. It sticks in the weirdest places where you don't think that it's going to stick. In a spiritual arena, guilt is where God is sometimes or where what the LDS religion calls the Holy Ghost or the Spirit is sometimes. Guilt has some helpfulness to it at times. Shame has no helpful parts. There is nothing productive or helpful in shame at all. Shame has absolutely nothing to do with deity. Shame is not of God. Shame is Satan's tool. Shame goes against everything that we are, and it tries to convince us that we are something different than being a person with worth or a person who deserves love. Shame tries to convince us that we are the things that we think, feel, do, and say. It tells us that we are are depressed, we are anxious, we are judgmental, we are forgetful, we are bad, we are stupid, we are broken, we are flawed. It tries to convince us that we are these things, but we aren't these things. We may have depression, we may have anxiety, we aren't those things. We may think judgmental thoughts, we may forget things, we may have done something bad, or we may have done something stupid. We may have broken parts of us and we may have flaws. We are not these things. All we are, and it's a pretty big deal, is his kid. We are sons and daughters of God. That is what we are. 
And because that is so big, there isn't room for us to be anything else. We are not what we think. We are not what we feel. We are not what we do. and We are not what we say. We are his. That's it. Now, Brene's research has identified that we either move against shame by trying to control others or control things or by becoming aggressive, that we move away from shame by hiding or withdrawing or keeping secrets or being quiet, or that we move towards shame by seeking approval and belonging. Now, it is possible to have a shame proneness and a guilt proneness. There are folks who are more susceptible to guilt and shame. So here's where you should put on your earmuffs if you don't want the truth of the research because the truth stings a little bit and it's really hard to swallow. And if you're not careful, it may create shame. But this is the truth of the research. Here it is. One of the biggest predictors of guilt and shame proneness is parenting style. So think for a second on how you were raised. I know our parents did the very best that they could, and some of it knocked it out of the park in this department. But if shame is your jam, if shame is what is very present in your life now, chances are very high that it stemmed from child. This is an explanation. Our life experiences can absolutely explain why we think how we think or why we feel how we feel, but our life experiences are never excuses for behavior. We don't get to give ourselves permission to shame our kids because it's how we were raised and look how we turned out. Similarly, we do not get to jump on the shame train and tell ourselves that we are terrible parents. We are not terrible parents. We may have done or we may do things that aren't helpful in keeping our kids off the shame train, but we are not failures. Now you know. You don't get to judge your then self with your now knowledge. Be compassionate with yourself. Be compassionate with your parents. We are all really just doing the very best that we can. Here are some things that have been found to help keep you, your kiddos, or anyone in your sphere of influence off of the shame train. Bernays suggests a few things and then I'll add in my two cents. The research shows that shame resilience is possible when you recognize that shame is happening and acknowledge it. And when we reach out and speak it with those who have earned the right to hear our stories. Now, that was a really packed sentence. So I'm going to say it again. We're going to unpack that a little bit. For you to have shame resilience, you initially have to recognize that that shame is happening. So pay attention to your body. Identify how guilt feels in your body versus how shame feels in your body because they're different how they feel. You recognize it and then you acknowledge it. Then you reach out to someone who has the ability to be empathetic with you, someone who you can be vulnerable with, someone who has earned the right to hear your stories because of what feelings they help cultivate when you share them with them. So something happens. Shame creeps in. You recognize it in your body and you say, oh, this is shame. This is shame. And then you reach out to somebody and you talk it through. Again, this is a person who has the ability to be empathetic. If you wonder what empathy is about, that's a previous podcast. Go find that of mine and you'll know 
what empathy is all about. It's important because empathy and shame cannot reside in the same place. So where there is shame, there is no empathy. And where there is empathy, there can be no shame. That doesn't mean that if empathy is present, that you'll never have to experience shame because empathy is not everywhere and shame is going to sometimes still creep in. But if you can circle back to a place of empathy, either for yourself or from someone else who has earned the right to hear your story, then that shame will most likely dissipate. These things are so powerful, recognizing, acknowledging, and speaking the shame. Because the better you get at it, the better you get at teaching it to others. Not only through your example, but literally teaching it to others, right? Particularly your kids. And they start to do the same. And it exposes shame. And it brings it out of all the nooks and crannies. Other things that I would add, if one of your shame triggers is perfection, previous podcasts I talk about perfection and shame riding in the same vehicle together, right? Really research and embrace the idea of being human. Own that you are human. Again, being human is an explanation. It's not an excuse. You don't get to have certain behaviors without striving for growth and chalk it up to you just being human. You do get to practice self-compassion and realize that a huge part of the plan for us being here was flaw and broken and imperfection. If your shame triggers are comparison, go to gratitude. Be grateful for what you rock at. Acknowledge your strengths. And be grateful for what other people rock at, acknowledging their strengths. What we do oftentimes is we compare our worsts to their bests. So stop it. They are not as put together as you think they are. I absolutely promise you. It is not a true story that you tell yourself when you say everyone but you has it all together. We're all a hot mess. It is our time and season to be Instead of comparing yourself and making life harder, not just for you, but for the person you're comparing yourself to, it's unfair for us to put other people in a perfect bubble, to assume that they are perfect. It's unfair. Again, it's not only unfair to us, but it's unfair to them. It has the high potential of putting them on the shame train as well. We have to disconnect from what I call comparison gardens. Comparison gardens or shame gardens are in social media big time. So disconnect from situations or conversations that elicit these comparisons. If you do not have the ability to be on Facebook without comparing yourself to everything else on Facebook, get off Facebook. If Instagram brings anxiety and worry and frustration and self-loathing, get off Instagram. If visiting with that one person and hearing all of their bests brings out you thinking about all of your worsts, have the conversation of what that brings up in you and see if you can connect in a different way. Let's commit to becoming a part of the shame revolution. Let's start recognizing and acknowledging shame, calling it what it is, bringing it out of the dark corners, exposing it. Let's identify our shame triggers. Let's begin practicing or continue practicing empathy and self-compassion and gratitude. Thank you for this chunk of your time. If you are not getting the Tuesday rest stops from me, 
go to brickstherapy.com, B-R-I-C-K-S therapy.com and click on subscribe so you can start getting those rest stops. They'll give you a break in your day and hopefully give you some insight to consider as you move forward in your week. Enjoy the journey. Thank you.